Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So this evening, at least in my time, I'm chatting with a new guest co-host who is not in the evening because she's in another country today. She's in Australia. So we love talking about healthy lifestyle diversity on this show besides business and everything else, but she's really living it. And we're going to be catching up with, that's right, an award-winning journalist known to stun many a personality with her quick-witted intros and on-air antics. And uh, let's just say yeah, she might have left Paula Abdul in a laughing fit and Havana Brown choking. I mean, she's even interviewed Katie Lang and Jennifer Beals and so many other. The list goes on. She's been around the block, but she's recently launched, get this guys, another podcaster, a brand new podcast, The Ginny Show, Curry Comedy and Connectivity. And uh, so again, airing from Australia, welcome to the show, our new guest co-host, Ginny Saraswati. Scott, thank you for having me. Quite an intro. It makes me sound a little more promiscuous than a podcaster, but I will take that. <laughs> well, I mean, you you wrote it, and I get to say it. So <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, you you've got some quick witted fun. So <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you write, and you think, oh, perhaps I should have been a little bit more contextual what I was going to say. But I'll take that as awesome. Thank you very much for the uh, kind introduction. I'm really excited to be here on this podcast. I'm excited to have you. And just to help with our over the seas internet lag. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to jump right into screen sharing. So we're going to have her actually shut your video off to get us a better signal because this is what podcasters do. And uh, we have <laughs> Zoom. So we're harnessing the power of Zoom and video. So, And uh, obviously, Jenny, our, our audio probably cleared right up, didn't it? It cleared right up. I can yeah. actually hear you a lot better. See? It's also the kangaroos over here in Australia. They actually carry a lot of our internet power. So they probably are just speeding up now. Those darn no kangaroos. Seriously. I mean, come on. <laughs> Didn't they ever hear of sharing is caring? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to share here, Dan. Well, well, listen. I gotta, I gotta say right off the bat, I love your job title. You're the chief chief chat, chat officer. officer. So I am the chief that intrepid is- officer. Nice. So nice. I went with, and but when I spell it out, I capitalize the e in intrepid, so it's CEO. You're the CCO. Um, but I chose yeah. I chose intrepid because intrepid defined suggests a lack of fear in dealing with something new or unknown. Nice, so nice. Me, it's very poetic, there, Scott. Oh well, yeah, I'm, I'm geeking out with you right now. So, <laughs> why did you choose Chief Chat? I mean, clearly you like to chat. Well, funnily enough, um, I I do love to chat, and I've managed to, uh, in some way, shape, or form, uh, forge a career out of it. But I guess the chief chat officer, why I kind of wanted that title more than a CEO is basically that's what I do all day. I talk to different people and some of these conversations are recorded, some of these are not. But I guess so much of my life, a conversation's really been a, a turning point for how I've managed to either form a relationship or I guess in a way have a vehicle to learn something about someone because it was someone who told me when I moved to New York, one of the first um, events I went to, one of the speakers there said that it takes a conversation to really listen and then walk away to be able to create something. So that's why I kind of intentionally put chief chat officer as, as my title, because that, that is what I do. And I guess podcasting as a whole, 
uh, that's what we do. We, we have conversations with other people and, and these do impact the ears, the minds and the hearts of others. So being such an intimate medium, that's what we do, Scott. Like we're actually literally in someone's ear right now and we're talking to them and it's such an impactful medium. So it all starts with a conversation. So you, you definitely appreciate uh, what we talk a lot as a fellow podcaster. There's the power of that intimate conversation. Like you're kind of eavesdropping in on us right now. That's what our listeners are doing, right? We're having a great conversation. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and it's not socially awkward where like if you're in a restaurant, all of a sudden somebody just leans in and just jams their ear right up against you while you're having a private conversation. That happens. <laughs> It, it reminds me of Homer Simpson, that episode where he appears in and out of the bush. It's ah. like that in real life. But on a podcast, it's socially acceptable behavior to uh, eavesdrop. But it, it's very true there, Scott. It's like we're having a conversation, but in some way, shape or form, whoever's listening is a part of the conversation too, even though they may not be actively participating in it. So I'm wondering, how far back did you become, let's just go ahead and admit it, like we're obsessed with podcasting. So how far back did you really get plugged in? Well, in 2004, that's when the iPod came out and I pretty much, I started in radio in 2006. So I was training up to be a uh, radio host on a station here in Melbourne called Joy 94.9, which is an FM music station. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess at the time, because the iPod was out and podcasts were, were being made left, right and center, a lot of the major networks around the world and here in Australia too, what they would do is any kind of uh, radio programming that was out there, they they would cut parts of certain interviews or if you have a celebrity on the show, they'd cut cut parts of the radio program and turn it into a podcast. So this behavior of, I guess, on-demand radio was coming up um, mm-hmm. where, you know, if you missed a breakfast show, you could always catch it on the podcast. So technically I was a podcaster then in 2007 to, um, you know, my 10-year radio career. That's when I had my podcast, but it wasn't, you know, technically mine. It was the station's. Sure. But the Ginny show, I actually um, came up with the concept three years ago and I've been kind of building it and revamping it since. So um, I guess technically having my own podcast, Scott, it's been three years, but I've been a podcaster pretty much since the day I opened the microphone and, you know, fell in love with the headphones behind a panel see i didn't even even realize that podcasting was even being considered as a secondary form of medium for the radio stations back then because obviously nowadays everybody just digital records all their content and now all the big players like npr and everybody else are just duplicating and just launching a podcast with the same content and just that way they're just covering their bases i guess so uh, but you actually had a podcast that far back I did. It, it, I don't think we thought of it in the way and in the context of podcasting that we do today because obviously nowadays with content being consumed so digitally, that's what we think about. But back then it was, it was very easy for us to have like a three-hour radio program and we'd have, you know, three guest interviews or three guest spots on there that we'd cut up and we'd pop on to iTunes just from the radio station feed. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty interesting. So, and actually, I'm just reading through your bio again, but you actually had multiple shows then. So, yeah. So back then in, at Joy 94.9, I had two breakfast shows, one called The Hump Day Crew and Rise Up Radio. And I was also on LA Talk Radio for a brief stint. And then, you know, when I started my own personal podcasting journey, I had three podcasts, The Monday Mocker, The Daily Gin and The Ginny Show. But I've just put it, put it all under one umbrella now being the Ginny show and incorporating the other two podcasts I had it just made sense for me to kind of make it a bit more of a documentary of my journey rather than fragments of it 
I, I love the fact you chose to do that because that's like back when I started creating Live the Fuel, like I'm passionate about health, business, and lifestyle, and those could easily stand individually as their own shows. And I started digging into it because I'm a sales and marketing nutball. And I was like, you know, there's not a <laughs> lot of shows co- trying to show the balance of the three. Everybody kind of stands apart in different areas, like your health and fitness or your health and wellness, or you're an entrepreneur show, or you're a business thing. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to fuel people's health, business, and lifestyle, and I'm going to have my co-host do the same, and let's try and stand out and be something different. And I'm with you, though. Like a couple of times, I thought maybe should I have had them as separate platforms? And it's great to see how you actually did have it that way, and you decide, you know what? No, let's let's keep it pure. Let's put it back together, and that way people get all of me in one show. Exactly. Exactly. I think at the end of the day, it comes back to, you know, sometimes when people start a podcast, you know, there's two different ways of approaching it. You can start a podcast with, you know, having a vision of who your listener is going to be, you know, down to the very detail of, you know, what do they do? How do they consume content? Do they commute to work? Or you can, you know, build some content out there in the hope that a kind of listener will find you. So what I found was I was having a very direct kind of impact on people in terms of how I was creating my own life and defining my own version of happiness. So I think that all fell under the same umbrella of the Ginny show and it made sense. And the guys at Nova Entertainment really helped me map that out and be really aware of what content I was creating. And it just made sense for me as well to like put it all under one umbrella. And it definitely does help things logistically as well in terms of, um, you know, scheduling and everything. But in terms, at the end of the day, it's your listener that you create the show for. You know, that's who you write and create the content for to give them value. So it just made sense for me, Scott. You know, I, I love the fact you just hit, hit it on that. Like a lot of podcasters are trying to put the listener first, right? We're trying to put quality content out there. But part of that quality content, what I'm getting from you and I know I stand for is I've realized in two and a half years podcasting, I was already obsessed with it before. I wasn't as early as you were. I was listening probably. I started, really started getting into it in like 08, 09. And then obviously since launching a show, I, I've now attested the power of podcasting as a host. It's allowed me to get even more comfortable, even more transparent and even more vulnerable and letting people into that you know, more intimate side or more details of my life. And I feel, I I actually honor that. I respect that. I think that our listeners, I would hope also appreciate that because they get drawn closer to you and they feel more connected. How do you, how do you ring in on that? Oh, absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And we were touching before on just how intimate this medium is because we are in someone's ear. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was training for radio, Video. Um, when I first applied to be at the radio station, they were offering a course. It was a certificate three in radio broadcasting. And essentially, um, there'd be hosts of the station or trainers at the station who'd train you on how to host and broadcast a radio show. And I remember when I applied for this course, they asked, you know, if you were to continue working at this station, what would you want to do? And I remember, Scott, I ticked every single box, but wanting to be on air. And the reason I did that was even though at the time I was studying, you know, theater and performing arts. So, you know, I didn't have a fear of public speaking, but I knew as soon as I got behind the mic, I would be on a whole different level of intimate and a whole different level of connection because when I opened the mic, I wasn't playing a character or reading a script. I was being me. Mm-hmm. And I know that radio and podcasting too, radio or podcasting has never really been a medium that you sit around 
Friday night with some popcorn and you listen to a podcast. That's not really in our culture at the moment. I don't know if it's forming, but, you know, it's not really in the culture where it's like a Friday night movies type thing. It's generally something that people consume by themselves. So that intimacy factor is, is very high. And you know that your impact factor is going to be very high too based on that. So I think you, you're, you hit the nail on the head there, meaning that, you know, it is a real strong vehicle to build that one-on-one connection with someone who's listening on the other end. So would you say podcasting kind of got you even more open and even more transparent since the radio days? Because we are talking about two different, you know, platforms of media. Yeah. Yeah, it actually, it took me a while to transition over from radio to podcasting in terms of my presentation style, because obviously radio, you've got people who are kind of regulating you. You've got the industry regulators then you've got the the team at the station like the program directors who are kind of guiding you on what you should not more or less should and shouldn't say um and they're obviously broadcasting regulations that you've got to follow but for me i think the key difference between the two is i found that when i first started my podcast you know the Ginny show wednesday episodes were very heavily produced and some people don't like the real clean cut radio sounding audio when it comes to podcasts it's almost seen as intrusive now if that makes sense but I guess what made me transition over was the fact that you know I wasn't reading the weather or reading the news or a traffic report I had to talk about authentic conversations that mattered to me and that's what's played out for me too Scott like over time I found that whether I'm listening to a podcast or I'm hosting one authenticity is probably the key driver when it comes to a podcast, you know, how authentic you're being in that conversation and in that moment, you know, it's not a pre-produced or pre-planned thing that you'd probably get in radio back in the day. Right. But um, yeah. So I, I guess that, you know, authenticity is something that it's an ongoing journey for me, but it's podcasting has definitely helped. Well, and that's why I wanted to bring that up because obviously I have no problem being honest. Like, I mean, I would say in the past six months, I probably have casually thrown in how, you know, I am definitely not the romantic guru, even though I'm engaged to be married now in March. And and I was the guy. I was <laughs> Congratulations. The self, well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I was a self-proclaimed <laughs> bachelor forever. You know, but then it takes a special someone, doesn't matter if it's male, female, whatever, to uh, pull your head out of your ass and uh, <laughs> help you realize you're, <laughs> you're, you're totally being a jackass. So, um, <laughs> and that would be my fiance. So... <laughs> But I love transparency like that because you've got a heck of a backstory. I was just doing a little screen sharing for the video watchers. Again, people listening, ladies and gentlemen, remember, it's her name, Ginny, G-I-double-N as in Nancy, I, media.com. GinnyMedia.com is a lot of the screen sharing that we're doing today. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram too, at The Ginny Show. Uh, But I brought up like her bio sheet uh, because there's a couple of little powerful things you just have thrown in there. (laughs) But like obviously... Uh, we've got some key words here. Young Sri, Sri Lankan gay immigrant woman growing up in Australia. Uh, you got your, your aunties. You got 170 cousins. You get, there's like some celebrity stuff going on here. You got homosexuality, the fact that it's still a criminalized you know, act where you're born in Sri Lanka. So I, we ha- I can't skip over this. We got to dive into some of this backstory, girl. <laughs> of course. You love of standing course. out and being different, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I didn't intend to be, uh, I don't know what the t- term the cool kids call it, a trailblazer, but, you know, <laughs> it, it gets to a point, and I think this is in anyone's journey, whether you're gay, straight, you know, gender nonconforming, what, however you identify or whoever you love, I think it gets to a point in your life, um, whether it be about sexuality or be about simply what you want to do with your life, you know, there is the path that's expected of you 
there's the music or the, I guess, the language and the teachings and the lessons that are taught to you. And then there's your true authentic self, Hmm. you know, that path where you're like, okay, I've been taught these things. This is the music that I've been played my whole life, but sometimes it's okay. And I use this as a metaphor um, when I say this, sometimes it's okay to like your own music too. You know, the music that you've been played your whole life from your parents and their parents, which is essentially what it is because your parents just regurgitate the tape recorder of their parents and previous parents. So, you know, their music has worked for them. It's kept them safe. It's kept them healthy and and alive. So they're going to be like, hey, listen to my music. It works for me. But for me, I knew from a very young age that the music that I was being played wasn't in alignment with who I truly was. And, you know, obviously homosexuality being a criminalized act. And, you know, I think before it was, I think it's 20 years imprisonment now. I think it was, correct me if I'm wrong, my history is not the best, but I think it was a bigger kind of punishment or bigger kind of legality before but it's clearly culturally it's been a bit of a challenge to kind of talk about it and you know there's still sometimes you know family members don't really mention it and there's on the other hand on the other side of the coin there's still family members who do talk about it and are open to hearing what I have to say so So, clearly you you have a huge family Yeah, well, I say 170 cousins now. This is including first cousins, second cousins, third cousins, and cousins from cousins. You got me beat. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a lot of cousins, let's just say. And, you know, Christmas and, and Easter and all the celebrations, they're, they're never really small here, here in Australia, unless there's some political argument going on between two sides of the family, and then it's, it's a whole other thing. I actually always joke around with my family saying, can you, like, please send an email newsletter every month? So I know who we're talking to and who we're not, because it is that political sometimes. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, it's it's definitely there's. I kind of like to call myself the OG of my family, and that's not original gangster; it's the original gay. Uh-oh. So I know anyone else like who comes out after me is going to, well, you know, is going to have a little bit of an easier. Not, an, I won't say it's going to be the easiest, but it will be easier because there's already someone out there who was gay and anything that they do and don't do will be blamed on me it's like alan really like had she not have taken the bullet for all us lesbians like we wouldn't be able to do what we do because alan she like, definitely we, was we a trailblazer definitely and it, to the point where like she obviously had her her time where she suffered as a result of coming out but look at her now laughing 13 yeah. 14 seasons later and making people laugh too it's and, just and amazing she, she's doing what she loves makes great money doing it it's, it's like she couldn't have planned that any any better. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, she didn't plan it. No, it's that's just, the beauty she was just, of it. Again, being authentic to who she was. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, I guess. You know, there'll be a first for every family, or a first first in the family to break the tradition. And I guess in my culture, where family is so important, and there's traditions and values of the country that are bought, no matter where you end up living in the world, it's been. Uh, I guess it's both been an honor and a challenge to kind of open people's minds up to different ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, people think that we're a very forward country here in North America and the U S of a, but trust me, all you gotta do is watch the news. Uh, <laughs> we're, we still have a lot of opportunity to improve. <laughs> so yeah. I, 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 I've noticed that when I moved there, when I moved to New York, I'm like, well, New York's, I guess, pretty, it's kind of a little bit of a bubble in terms of, uh, 
openness and diversity, but well, you kind there of are have parts to. of America. It's like the largest yeah. city in North America. So it's like, <laughs> if you can't make that happen there, I, there's something wrong. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But I mean, it, it's, if you actually, if you look at large cities in general, for the most part, that's pretty accurate. I mean, you look at LA, uh, San Diego, uh, I don't yeah. know. I, I mean, uh, I don't know about Texas, but I mean, we're not we're not trying to <laughs> call different states out. But there's definitely some more forward openness uh, in larger populated, more I don't know, more shifting, I guess, uh, surroundings. I guess you want to call it. Definitely, definitely. I, I told people for years I could care less. <laughs> like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if you're male, female, <laughs> whatever you're doing. I mean, if you're cool. And, and you're fun to hang out with or you're fun to rap with on a podcast, game on. <laughs> I mean, I could care less. Awesome. I mean, That's- like life is too short to dwell on stuff like that. I'm like, man, I don't, I, I never did understand that. I, and be fair, I kind of grew up in a, maybe a closed off family back in the day. Uh, I just yeah. chose to a more open path in my life. So, and I've had people close to me with these, uh, are they still calling it the alternative lifestyle? Because I mean, it's pretty mainstream now. So yes. I don't know if you really want to call it the alternative <laughs> lifestyles. But well, I, I know some people are referring it to that kind of lifestyle or the alternative. And I love how some people are calling it still a lifestyle because yeah. for some people it's not. It's really like you know, for the next couple of years, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one a swing, see see how it works out. You know, <laughs> like well, really. <laughs> I'm curious to know too, Scott. I mean, you mentioned that you grew up in quite a conservative, closed up type of environment. What do you think it was about you and your experiences that you kind of felt like, how did you develop such an openness or being open-minded? You know, maybe I think it just came down to the fact that I just don't don't like doing what people tell me to do. (laughs) So like I grew up as a farm kid. (laughs) I grew up as a farm kid. I was born in New Jersey. My dad had a dairy farm. Uh, my dad and my brother to this day are organic cattle brokers and, and transporters in central Pennsylvania. I just, something clicked at a young age. I'm like, I want nothing to do with this. <laughs> I want to, you know, I started studying, <laughs> I started studying technology in high school and then I just started seeing, I mean, I will admit there was a period in there where I don't know if you guys use this in Australia, but there's that, that term of keeping up with the Joneses. Like you, you, you unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> start trying to do that everybody else is doing and thinking that that's the yeah. right path. But it opened me. It allowed me to say, you know what, what if this, what if that, um, maybe. And then I started chasing, you know, education and, and corporate dreams. Like I'm the first person in my family to have finished a degree, uh, and go to college. I paid my own way and that doesn't make me any better than them, but I've always been that guy. Like I don't, I love being out on the edge and doing something different. And along that path and along that way, Yes, you come across people of different lifestyle choices, different upbringings. Uh, yeah. I, I've ended up loving, like I, was, I just went to South Africa last year for two weeks with my fiance. We went down there for wow. uh, an equine horse uh, veterinary do- conference. My fiance is a, is a horse doctor. So I, I never, wow. if I hadn't met her, like I never would have had an opportunity to take a trip like that. So you, you have to learn to appreciate these differences because like, again, it goes back to that what if. And, uh, exactly. and actually like two of the doctors on the safari conference, uh, uh were, were lesbian. I, I could, again, could care less. I'm like, cool. They were fun. We were having competitions <laughs> on who could buy the next bottle of wine because the dollar exchange rate down there was amazing. So we were living like royalty. <laughs> 
So fantastic. The- oh, it's great that you were such, I guess in a way you were a trailblazer too. You kind of didn't want to listen to what will be told what to do. But again, I think it comes down to the point at some point in your in a Scott, it just didn't feel right to be listening to those directions. Yeah. And if I think far enough back, you know, I did have an uncle that was gay and I didn't see him any different than anybody else. But the one thing that kind of actually inspired me from a young age was he was always doing nonprofit things, volunteering. He was the only person in my family doing these great, good things for people. And to this day, that is a huge piece of my life. Uh, and he, he has since passed wow. away years ago, but uh, he's, he was, I guess you could call him like a great uncle. I don't know, but he, he's just a great guy yeah. and he did all these great things. Yeah. So it was hard for people to talk negatively about him because he did so many good things for his community. And that, exactly. that left a mark on me too. And it's like right there, it's like, now granted, you don't have to be a homosexual to be inspiring people to do not-for-profit activities. So, I mean, exactly. clear, clearly I'm a heterosexual and I'm doing a lot of not-for-profit activities. So the point <laughs> well, is, it's exactly. like, these are your influencers. Like who are the, exactly. it goes back to that Jim Rohn quote. I'm always sharing that one. Like, well, the product of the five people you spend the most time with. Like if you want to open your mind, find other people to open your mind. And, exactly. be, and be open to that transition. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with you. I think who I think I'm paraphrasing a very a quote here by Rumi, and I'm paraphrasing it terribly, but I think he said that your environment can be stronger than your will, and it's so true. If Hands you up. are surrounded by people and positive influences, it it is that support support system and that network that's the foundation to pick you up or bring you down really because if you keep that kind of in check as you go along in your journey they will support you cheer you on or not so really it's 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 so true your influences are key to your development well back to environment then i mean what was the percentage of your family in regards to that support in your environment was there a good well, good chunk or no i mean well, the thing was, this is a thing. So when, so my family, my greater family found out those, so clearly that there is a big family here and there are family that I'm closer to than others. Mm-hmm. So when I had a, t- uh, I was hosting a TV program here in Australia called Vent TV on Monday nights and it was on channel 31. Now channel 31 has very diverse programming here in Melbourne. So you've got programming tailored to certain ethnicities and cultures and you've got programs, um, you know, that there were gay programs on there. There are different kinds of programs. So my program was Monday, 10 p.m. And my auntie and uncle, I don't know why, they've kind of gotten off the hook on this one because they kind of put the attention towards me, but they were hap- They were watching gay TV on a Monday night and I'm still yet to find out why. <laughs> because they're like, oh, but but Ginny, but Ginny's like, yeah, yeah, I know Ginny's on there, but why were you two watching that? That's, that's the question. Had so they I'm, already known at that point watching- or no? No, they didn't know. They saw me on TV clearly, and maybe they weren't expecting to see a family member. So they just accidentally it. turned on during Apparently 10, 10 so p.m., so. the, the, the <laughs> gay section of that network, and they just happened to stumble across you. Intriguing. And they happened to stay on that show for as long as I was on. So I'm like, hmm, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so they so, were definitely um, curious, is what I'm feeling. I'm hearing. I- I think they were curious. I probably I, look. I, I actually don't. I haven't spoken to them about the logistics of the content of what they were consuming and how. But I do hope to one day because I find it absolutely fascinating. <laughs> just the whole mentality of it, rather than what actually happened. Just the mentality of, okay, you two are watching a gay program and how this plat played out 
to be what it was. It was just the human behavior behind it is so fascinating to me. But they watched this and then they saw me and apparently apparently I said, which I don't remember saying because I don't really say this out loud in and I don't feel the need to say it anymore. Apparently I said something along the lines of I'm Ginny and I am gay, which I don't rem- remember or recall saying. And then they took, they obviously figured it out, figured out what that meant. And they called <laughs> one auntie. I was like, did you know Ginny's gay? And they, that auntie called another auntie. Did you know that Ginny? So it went around the grapevine of my family. And then it got back to my sister who in my inner family is the closest person to me. And she rang me up. Uh, she said to me, look, I got a call from, uh, one of our aunties and they said that this happened on on TV and it was like I think for her because she she'd grown up majority of her life in Sri Lanka she moved to Australia when she was like 13 or 14 and she's still very I guess uh, she's still very traditional in, in some of her cultures for her it was a big shock because not only even though she knew that you know I identified as gay I think now that this was out in public and other people started to know I think that shook her up a little bit um, sure and I remember her I remember her saying to me, you know, it's like, you know, we support you. Obviously, we're not going to do anything to, to go against you or anything like that. But, you know, try and not be so gay in public. And I know she didn't mean to, that to sound the way that she did. But it just <laughs> it was just one of those things where I thought, well, no, I'm not going to stop being who I am in public or in private. Like, if I wasn't doing anything that I felt was inappropriate. And I, I guess in terms of support, the the blessing in that experience even though how it played out was that yes everyone knew and I actually came out in the comfort of a tv screen in your own home I didn't actually inconvenience you in any way (laughs) you know you got the news in your own living room on a hd screen I feel like everything happens for a reason that kind of just naturally unfolded yeah naturally and you know for me if even though it was a bit a scary at the time like I had that fear of oh how I will how will I be judged Mm -hmm. the other side of it was that okay everyone knows now I don't have to tell anyone anything and I guess it also filters out who is supportive and who isn't um eventually and that's what happened um you know the percentage still you know I only really keep in touch with a select handful of family but you know they all know and they're very open to hearing about my life as 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 they always have been so it's, it's been great that way I was going to ask about that. Like, obviously, fast forward, and it's now 2019, and um, mm. it's you know has a lot of that morphed to a more positive layer because it, it's interesting. Because, like, for example, like I, I, I am I continue to be surround myself with this because, like, one of my newer uh, medium sized clients, you know, one of the co founders of the company, which I talk to every single week, he's gay, and and he's yeah. he's a former like top executive of Playboy. And I just thought that was, I thought that was funny. I'm like, wait a minute, were you gay when you worked there? And he said, oh yeah. He's like, that's probably why I did so well because they knew that I wouldn't, you know, get distracted or whatever. (laughs) It just just makes for a great backstory. But it's like, again, back to the point, like whether you're a a homosexual or heterosexual, this guy is highly intelligent, a top performer. I mean, had an amazing career. I mean, now he's he's running a a, a, you know, a pure vitamin company and a pure coffee club with my other client, you know, their co-founders, and it's just I, I get to hang with this guy every single week on webinar calls, and it's again I, I could care less. It's like, listen, you're successful. It doesn't matter what your lifestyle choices are, but I'm sure from that career, that guy probably has amazing backstories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd imagine he'd have quite a few stories to be able to share. But I mean, but when you got into media, that probably wasn't even. Would you say? Being down in Melbourne, was that more 
new agey and, and acceptable when you got into that time slot? I don't know. Like, what- um, Well, I, I guess like Joy 94.9 was actually, it's Australia's first and only gay radio station. Oh. So it wasn't, it, that aspect, it wasn't difficult for me to, to be myself. In fact, that was also the hesitation in getting behind the microphone because I knew as soon as I opened the mic, one, I have to be authentic. And secondly, there's no going back in the closet. Like I may have had a foot out of the closet, but I can't put that foot back in. Yeah, you're all. So I knew that instead of all in, you're all out at that point. Yeah, (laughs) I'm all out. You know, I can't go back in the closet like that, you know, old green linen suit that I've hid back in there. I've got got to be be out there. So, um, yeah. So I I guess for me in media, what kind of it, it kind of took me a while to adjust when I started working in like commercial media. You know, do I come out? Is this relevant? And I guess the dialogue now is like, I hope that we can live in a post coming out world where we don't have to have that conversation of, I'm going to sit you down tell my parents to come out. I just love it to be, love the conversation and the dialogue to head to a stage where you just have to say you're in love with someone because I guess a sit down conversation, a declaration kind of implies that there's something either out of the ordinary that's going to happen, if that makes sense. But if we can kind of, if we can kind of make it, to a place where, hey, I'm in love and not make such a big deal out of it, because really not a big deal. Uh, um, you know, I'd love to live in a post-coming out world. Well, you know what? Part of what you just said there, declaration, right? Like I've, I've been sharing a lot of different stuff on the video feed for the listeners. And like this one uh, pick that you had put up back in December of the Mastery Journal, my boy JLD. I know him well. <laughs> I have all of his journals as well. Um, admittedly, I bought this journal, like multiple copies that gave them to some of my clients and some of my friends and colleagues, and I never even used yeah. it. So, but I, <laughs> I, I still, I still supported him and his crowdfunding efforts. I'm still in his communities. He and I have met at conferences and stuff. So we're cool. And, but part of that, yeah. that, that level of mastery just made me think of this, as you said, it is the power of, dec- of declaration. And if yeah. you're setting goals and Actually, I, I just aired a podcast today, and the guy on there, Andre, uh, he, he and I were talking, and we, we discussed the power of, you know, not just setting your goal and setting a game plan to get the goal, but also being flexible in knowing that the path along all of that is going to shift and change. But one of the best things to help you get mm-hmm. through all that is that powerful declaration of that goal. So there is yeah. a lot of energy that gets released and put forth when you declare something. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, in in the world, like if we look at, you know, LGBT rights, in terms of declaration of who you are, and we'll get back to, you know, what you were talking about, JLD, I guess coming out is a step in the process of declaring, you know, this is who I am, this is who I love. But I think if we, I think the next step of evolution to that is just to integrate it generally into conversation. But again, like you did touch on a key point there, Scott, declaring something and it invites the commitment and the investment of yourself into that. So for example, me investing in the mastery journal, it has changed my life in the last 40, 30 days that I've been doing it in, in the fact that I've got this book that I check in with every day, I've committed to a morning routine and a foundation, which sets me up for the rest of the day and the week. It's, it's so powerful in that. You're absolutely right. A declaration does invoke power and yeah. it invokes discipline and commitment. Well, I mean, it's, I, I think people underestimate the power of all of that. Right. And, but it takes yeah, stories absolutely. like you have to share 
to just refresh, I think, people hearing this, remind them. It's like, oh, wow, something as simple yeah. as, de- as declaring a goal. You don't have to have, first of all, let's be real list- listeners out there, okay? <laughs> whether it's Ginny or whether it's me <laughs> telling you this, everything is going to change. Get over it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the, the point, the, that whole road, that path that you, you, you had really clear in your mind when you declared that new goal or that new lifestyle choice or whatever we're talking about, it's going to change. And Mm -hmm. the people who succeed the most are the ones who accept that they own it and they embrace the change. That's, I learned that years ago in the business space is like, dude, the ones who embrace change, let it breeze right over them. You learn to roll with it in life. It makes a lot easier to make these declarations. As you keep making new and new declarations, it gets easier to pull them off because you start realizing, wait a minute, these speed bumps and these, these, these uh, hurdles. Okay. I'll get over it. You know, no worries. Might take a little bit longer, exactly. a little faster. It's gonna happen. I think what we forget as humans are like we are we are animals. We we can do everything that animals do, except flying. But yet we've built a machine to help us fly. So oh yeah, I love good. skydiving. But we are very <laughs> we, 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 exactly we are very adaptable. Like if we do declare it and we then commit to forming that behavior, then turning it into a habit, it will happen. It just takes that declaration as the first initial step. Well, and, and I'm bringing up another image on your Instagram from December 7th, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I love this one too, is there's nothing like gratitude to anchor your anchor you into the present or push you to look at things, you know, in a different way, right? So that's that, that totally aligns with everything you and I are talking about right now too. It's it, That's part yeah. of the process as well. Like, uh, accepting and also releasing daily gratitude, I'm sure is probably something that came into your mastery journal as well, right? Absolutely. So yes, in the mastery journal, there is a line saying, you know, I'm grateful for this. And you write what you're grateful for. Generally, it's one sentence. But one of my best friends, Kim, she gives me a gratitude journal every Christmas. And it's actually a journal where every day you write 10 to 15 things you're grateful about. And everything is centered around gratitude. And gratitude is one of those things that is such a key to just happiness because it does do exactly that. It brings you into the present and it really can reshift your perspective. So for example, it's like, oh, you know, um, for example, if my car breaks down, there's two ways to look at it. One way you can look at it from a form of lack, a, a, an angle of lack to be like, oh, my car's broken down. I can't do anything. <laughs> Another way to look at it is I actually have a car and I actually have an income to get that car repaired. And I also, I'm grateful that I have feet that I can actually walk and run and move with Mm. and find my other way of transportation. So it all comes down to your perspective in that very moment. And I find gratitude is just such a key anchor to really give you that perspective because, you know, I was thinking someone someone said to me one day, you know, one thing that they're grateful for is their legs. Like think about people who can't run or walk or feel the earth between beneath their feet. Like that's something that they like every day, but we take for granted because, you know, we don't know any better. Right. But, you know, sometimes when I go for a run, even though I complain going, Oh my God, I have to exercise. And Oh my God, I have to work out. (laughs) I have legs. I can run like, and you know, I am forming into my shape, whatever it may be. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's so true there, Scott. Gratitude is a very key component of moving forward in life. No, I love the fact you brought that all that up just now because like I'm a huge cyclist. Obviously I got bike art behind me on the wall and I, I do a lot of mountain biking and road cycling. And I'm obviously, I, I try and embody a healthy fit lifestyle, not just for the podcast, but in general. And uh, this, this gratitude piece you just spoke of is like recently, just before the new year, 
uh, a buddy of mine that I know from the biking community. He's been on the podcast a couple of times. That guy's learned to become more transparent through his own struggles of becoming a father and his own uh, battle with depression and things of that nature. And then he and I did some charity work together on Thanksgiving, something that I've been doing up in New York, uh, in Harlem for God, eight years now. We feed 2000 meals to the, to the streets on Thanksgiving morning. And Wow. So he came to that. That's his first time coming along. He's been a, he's now like an ambassador for live the fuel, which is super cool. Like he's, he's just obsessed with it. Uh, I, I'm honored <laughs> to have an ambassador, but, uh, anyway, wow. he, he, he texts me after that, like right before Christmas, like Scott, you got to meet this incredible kid. He's so inspiring. I want to help this kid and, and get him a hand bike. And I'm like, why a hand bike? And he's like, well, this kid lives with cerebral palsy. And oh. I mean, this is just those, these are just one of those, you know, inspiring gratitude stories for the new year. And I wanted to mix it in with what you're sharing with us because I'm like, I never even met this kid, but shout out to Brian Strausser. You know, he listens to the show all the time and he's like, dude, he's like, we got to help this kid out. Like, let's, he's like, I want to raise money and buy him the hand bike because he, he, I took him hiking, you know, a limited hike, obviously with his condition and the crutches he has to use. But he's like, I, we just started talking and having a conversation. I got to learn more about his horrific childhood. He was born in Russia with cerebral palsy and over there talking about differences of countries and lifestyles, right? They, they cast him aside. Like he was, he was not of a whole human being, so to speak. So his family right. basically cast him aside and not of sexual preference, but of his, what he was born with. And there's these things over there called baby houses. And I guess he's just a really just not a good place for kids to go. And he, there's a, there's a book written about his childhood called baby house 10. And this kid was tortured, burned, uh, malnourished, not fed, and this woman here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the next city next to me here, like basically found out about this kid. She adopted him, got him out of Russia. You know, now he lives like 10, 10 15 minutes from me. And anyway, so just a powerful yeah. story. And so next thing you know, Brian reaches out to me and I was like, I didn't even hesitate. Uh, the gratitude set in. I'm like, wow. let's do this. I know social media. I know crowdfunding. I, I, I'm at my hotel in upstate New York on a business trip. And that night until like a midnight, I'm like, I'm designing graphics, throwing a GoFundMe page up, and then launching it on social media. We do Facebook Lives. I haven't even met the kid. And wow. in less than 48 hours, we raised the $1,100 for the hand bike. The, the bike was already on order. And then we then I, then I meet the kid. I come back local, and I, I meet him at a Starbucks. I'm like, listen, would you like to go live on Facebook just to share who you are so people see that we're not messing around? And anyway, within four days, we end up raising over $3,000. So, so, and then I find out, wow. this, this, yeah, it's like, right. You hear this stuff. It gets, it gets hair up on my arms. And then I found out the kids going to Penn state university, the local campus here, he's trying to better himself. And yeah. he, he has a dream to start his own not-for-profit to help other people like him. So it's like, well, bro, we've already raised money for the bike. So everything beyond that, this is before we hit 3000. I said yeah. it on Facebook live. I was like one, I'm sponsoring your 501c3 form, the 1023 easy, whatever the heck the IRS calls it. I was like, done. I, yeah. I will pay the 400 for that. That's my sponsorship. Anything else we raise on this GoFundMe goes to a startup account for your non for profit. So this kid is just blown away. And they obviously, I mean, it's just like that's, that's the stuff. Like gratitude can create so much more other change because I'm grateful that I actually. Yeah have learned what I've learned thanks to podcasting and the power of sharing these stories like you've shared with us today, right? It's just like, ah, uh, like, doesn't that make you feel good? 
it like just listening to what you just said there scott like gratitude look at what it's created for you look at all the the look at the impact that you've been able to have on this kid's life and future kids life the the grace that you're creating for yourself and that you're passing on to others it's it's totally amazing and um i think you've created quite a flow of abundance for yourself as a result because you're giving the, the key thing to giving and gratitude well gratitude's actually the starting point but the key thing that what you're doing of being of service is you're giving and being of service without an expectation or attachment you're doing it purely because you're a good dude and you want to help this guy out oh totally like there was no underlying thing like my buddy just say dude i could could use your help but i'm like yeah i could do this stuff in my sleep let's do it (laughs) and and, and, and i've I've kept (laughs) brian brian has been at the head of it i'm like yeah i'm i'm the guy orchestrating some of the stuff i'm like brian this is your project dude like you inspired this. You need to lead the way. I'm just one of the tools helping make it happen because I would never even found out about this kid, John, if it wasn't for Brian and his huge heart. So I just get to be like yeah. a big team player and it's just awesome. So it's fantastic. It's actually quite a hard skill to master giving without expectation. It, it's quite a hard, I mean, it, you, it probably comes so naturally to you, Scott, now, because you've, like, I'm trying to master productivity. You've already mastered the art of giving without expectation. A lot of people struggle to do that because there's some egoic attachment to giving or sharing, but you've mastered that. And as a result, the reward of that is creating the abundant life and the happy life that you have for yourself. Oh, it takes time. I mean, I used to feel guilty because like people are like, oh, well, but you're sharing this stuff. Like every year when I go to Harlem, I would do a late, like a live video or do posts and people like, Oh, you're just trying to get some more likes or whatever. And I'm like, no dude, I'm trying to share something that means something to me that I stumbled across years ago when I was visiting New York after one of my, I I spent a couple of years doing wildland firefighting out West. And that's part of my backstory. That's why there's fire in my logo. That's what got me to leave the corporate world and, create everything since as there's, I'm, yeah. I'm finishing the book on that now. So but yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it's like, and it's, it's trickled through in, in, in the, the past 240 plus podcast shows too. Like I try and mix it in a little bit. So people just understand where this stuff doesn't happen overnight as you just hinted. No, like I, I didn't, I had to learn these things. I had to put in the reps like you, I mean, everything, your whole backstory is powerful and you have a crazy amount of followers. I mean, just, God, just on Instagram, you got like over 10,000 followers, right? I have nowhere near that, but it doesn't matter about the quantity. It matters about the quality of the messaging that you're putting out there and the people that you're also helping. And that's probably taken you a long time to understand and appreciate too. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on it. It's not about the likes that you get or the followers. It's the impact that you have. And I think it, I think if you start looking at that, because a lot of people nowadays have that disconnect between, um, I guess, I mean, you're talking about the Joneses before, uh, <laughs> Scott, reminded me of a, some content that I've been watching from Gary Vee. He talks about the effing Joneses. He's like, screw the Joneses. I'm going to kill the Joneses. It's, it's funny, but it's so true. But I think a lot of people look at the Joneses and they develop this comparative paralysis. They're like, oh, why aren't they? Why am I not there? And why don't I have this? And automatically you're in that energy of comparison and you're in that energy of lack. It's yes. a very short kind of moment where you change over that in your mindset. And it, but it may be a short transition and a really quick one, but it's so impactful. So I think that patience that you deploy and taking one step at a time, putting one foot in front of the other to create the grander scheme of things. Like 
with my podcast, I've been doing this for three years. And before then, you know, I was working for free in radio for a number of years, getting up at 4 a.m. You know, that is Putting real grind. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the reps. And it, it doesn't come like easy. If, if this was easy, everyone would be doing it. Right. Um, and everyone would want to get up at 4 a.m. and do that. But not, not everyone's wired that way. But again, it comes back down to, like what you said, what makes you happy? What makes you feel purposeful? And, you know, you you were a firefighter and, and you kind of learnt a lot from the corporate world and you moved to this now. You know, you've been able to, to impart that wisdom. So, yeah, it, it really does come back down to, yeah, it's not, not the amount of followers or the likes that you get. It, it really is the impact that you make. And the followers will come if you just keep focusing on that. I I. I couldn't have said it any better. It's quality versus quantity. We just talked about it on the last show I recorded before exactly. you hopped on today. And it comes there up more go. and more because <laughs> that goes back to productivity hack as well is that people think, oh, well, I just got to put in a ton of reps. Now, technically, what you and I just said, there was a lot of repetition over a period of time. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you dump 1,000 reps into the next 24 hours and now you're a productivity master. No. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you want to get exactly. burned. That's a great way to get burned out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I think that that's the thing that, I mean, Elizabeth Gilbert, I was thinking about her today because, you know, I, I'm quite aware of, she talks about the shit sandwich that you have to eat. I'm not, I'm not sure if we're allowed to. Uh, I love it. Swear on here. But oh, yeah, yeah. You, you can say whatever the hell you want. I don't care. Oh, <laughs> Gary V talks about, you know, everyone's got to know their burger. Or like everyone's going to eat shit to eat caviar. But like I'm well aware of what my shit sandwich was. I ate it. Some, some days I still eat it. But you've got to be also, it's not all roses all the time. You know, you've got to go through some grind and some hustle and some things to get to you know, the caviar. But sure. it, it's always, it's forever changing courses. You're not always going to be on one course. But you have to keep that in perspective. Yeah, I think a lot of people, it's, it's very easy to get pushed off of that. So, yeah. and, and that's why, again, more reasons why I love podcasting, right? Because you and I are talking about that now and hopefully yeah. one, two, 50, 500 who hear this, it, it clicks with that certain person and it helps exactly. them through their own journey. And exactly. that's why I love the transparency of podcasting too. And that's why I've appreciated and I'm grateful for this platform helping me throughout my process too. Uh, yeah. This has come up many, many times. I was like, people, I never set out to become more transparent thanks to my podcast. That just, all of a sudden, was just one of these added grateful benefits that came out of it. And I'm like, I just love it. It's, I can't not talk about it because I think <laughs> it's changed me to be a better person. And I'm not saying that's going to, podcasting is going to do that for everyone, but clearly yeah. it's a powerful platform from somebody like yourself too. So, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. I mean, we're coming towards the end of the show, but I, ha I can't just not talk a little bit more about like some of the services you're, you're doing these days. So you're so passionate about podcasting. I, I want to make sure I segue this before we come to the end, but you're, you're helping others with this too. Well, yeah. Well, actually, yeah, we're talking about the impact of podcasting and, and why I love conversation so much. But really podcasting nowadays, it's, it's such a medium that again, can make such an impact because it's so intimate and it's so authentic so yeah Ginny Media is obviously a very narcissistic name but I put but I thought <laughs> hey you know if I'm going to remember it own it's it. going to be my name <laughs> yeah, I've got to own it but um yeah so uh we offer you know podcasting content production for entrepreneurs small businesses and fortune 500 companies so everything that you need to do to run a podcast whether it be to start it to launch it to uh, continue producing it we offer everything from, you know, coaching to audio production to social media content creation to promote the podcast. 
everything that you need to do a podcast. We've we've built a team around that around the world. And it's been really exciting because this has been my passion project for a while. And, you know, 2018 was the first year that I went all in. And it happened to be the year that I moved to New York City. So it, it all was divinely aligned and, and executed. So that's what we do at Ginny Media. We, we just live, breathe, sleep podcasting. <laughs> Much and, like I do. And obviously, thanks to the power of technology, you, you're, the team that you have supporting you, probably it's all virtual, right? Because you don't need physical offices anymore. Yeah. So. No. Um, actually, I've got two people in New York, but the rest are all around the United States, Australia, Philippines. Um, that's kind of all my team. Yeah, right I, I love I love VAs. <laughs> VAs are great. I actually, one of my goals in 2019 is to hire an assistant, but also to maximize what I need that assistant to do. So I'm still trying to figure that out, but yeah, hey, the, the if, internet has really changed life. If it strengthens your position, I tell people all the time, I have never, ever, since founding this show, edited my own episode. Wow. I've, I've outsourced editing since day one. <laughs> wow. I've changed. Well, you're a smart. Well, you know your strengths. That, well, because that's I way. download all the software and I'm pretty techie and I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah. this is not fun for me. I, I don't even want to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I, my yeah. first editor I found exactly. on Fiverr. So there you go. There I mean, you go. I, it's, it's so true. I don't care. Like I, I have a professional voiceover intro and outro. The only editing yeah. that needs to get done is just chopping that onto the beginning and, and the ending. And then every once in a while I'll do like a custom secondary outro or promo reel, but I don't do ads during the show or anything. I believe in good pure content, but I was like, I just don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to hand that off. Like, there you go. Outsourcing, outsource your, your weaknesses, you know, and focus on your strengths. So. Exactly. Thank you for that tip, Scott. I'm going to use that when it comes to the VA. So oh. I built a team around what I don't want to, what I don't enjoy doing and what I'm probably not, what I'm good at, but not the best at. But um, yeah, I think that's a very good tip. Well, my newest VA for, hiring. yeah, my newest VA for 2019 was I finally launched a secondary inbox. So anything podcast relating now, I want people to email podcast at livethefuel.com instead of my main email. Cause then I have a gotcha. VA monitoring that box now. And then I do gotcha. all, I do all of my, my shows, project flow management, everything is done through Trello. So I just add in my VA nice. into my project team and then they're updating me if, if they meet my criteria or they need me to, re to evaluate them or whatever. It's all, uh, it's still being worked out perfectly, but it's like, Hey, I've, I have the tools. I just have to implement them in a way that exactly. alleviates my time. And cause top my time, what is your time worth to you? That, right. Exactly. So exactly. It is. It's the greatest asset we have. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been awesome. I, I, I don't know about you. I've been having a blast. So, um, oh, no, I've had a ball, Scott. I, I, I wasn't sure how this conversation would go, but it, it's clearly exceeded my um, very vague expectations of what it would be. But it's been amazing. <laughs> I, I've learned a lot from you. So thank you for the wisdom oh, that you And I've learned a lot from you as well. That's, that's why we have guest co-hosts and not interviews. I want it to be a two-way <laughs> learning and entertaining process. And the more jackassery, that's my, that's my key word of the day, you know, the better. Um, but back to you, and I always have my guest co-host close out the show. Like, just give us like, you know, like a closing comments or your thoughts or maybe some goals you have for 2019. I call it the final words. But if, you know, if our, if our listeners forget everything else that you and I talked about, which is silly because you can just pause and rewind it's digital content um <laughs> what you know what would you like what would you like to leave them with i think 2019 for me as we discussed was a, a year that i'm really committing to being very productive with my time and by that i mean 
one key factor from that learning from the mastery journal is setting up my morning routine. And I guess that's really been lacking for me in the last year because I've kind of been, I've jumped into this business and that was kind of my priority from the moment I wake up to the moment I, I go to sleep. That was what I lived, breathed and slept my business. But I did notice over time, like, you know, your energy levels aren't the highest and, you know, you're probably not getting that full round uh, happiness that you want in the other aspects of life as well. So I think 2019 really, if, if there's any kind of wisdom that I could leave you with or any kind of tips, I would be really reverse engineer what makes you happy. Like, and it's not just about work. It's, it's got to incorporate your loved ones, your friends, your health, things that mean a lot to you. Like what does happiness look like for you? And then work back from that. Cause I think that's what's helped me for my morning routine and helped me be more productive with my time. And, you know, we, we touched on it vaguely about VAs and that kind of thing. It's not, you don't, don't have to necessarily hire a VA, but just be really pragmatic about that. Like be non-negotiable. These are things that I want to do in the morning for me. Set your day up around you rather than, you know, being subject to other people's wants and needs and demands. So I think that's that's what I could leave you with. Really figure out what makes you happy and then work back from that. I love that. Well, listen, uh, and I'll, I'll add a couple addendums onto that. Not just what's happy. Uh, but thanks to a guest co-host that I just aired uh, today, episode 243, shout out to Andre Young. He actually said, uh, I'd like to help correct that and say, listen, it's not just about the happiness because that's gotten a, a very vague definition these days. He's like, yeah. what actually brings you joy? That's a great way. Actually, I'm going to use that. Right? And I was you- like, oh, man, yeah. talk about dropping the mic. I mean, that's. Woo, that, that went right <laughs> through me, man. So he nailed that one. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. also back to the business component is everything you just said and everything you just shared by your own transparency with trying to improve your daily hacks and your 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 morning goals and et cetera. I remind myself uh, from being uh, having a 20, 30 person team years ago in the corporate space was, well, if, if you strip all of your employees away, whether you're a business owner or not, you're left with yourself. Whether you have, if you have no more VAs, no more exactly. employees, everything comes back to you. So if you're not taking care of you, you are your best employee. So what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Because everything, exactly. everything can hit the fan tomorrow and then everything falls yeah. back on you. So. Exactly. Absolutely right. 100%. Our, health, our health is our true wealth. So. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> That's well, a great takeaway. <laughs> well, listen, Jenny, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. Ladies and gentlemen. Talk about dropping some serious mics today from Australia. Again, I've done screen sharing this whole episode, so make sure you check it out on YouTube because uh, we showed off again. You can follow her at The Ginny Show, G-I-N-N-I, on Instagram, on Facebook, or just go to her main site, you know, GinnyMedia.com. Uh, but again, we, she dropped a lot of bombs, a lot of transparency. I love the backstory, but obviously – you're listening to this podcast because you like podcasts. So as I've reminded everybody else so far here in 2019, sharing is caring. So if you learned something today, please share this, get us a review, uh, make sure you share it. So Ginny gets some more exposure as well. She was kind enough to join you today. So again, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to fuel your health, your business and your lifestyle. And we definitely did that today. So remember you too can live the fuel and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.